You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 215, brought to you by Audible.com. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash iFanboy for a free trial. Discount comic book service and iFanboy listeners like you. This is a joke from the Wu-Tang Clan. Feed the world. Let them know it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. And in our world of plenty, we can spread a smile of joy. Throw your arms around the world at Christmas time. Hello, welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 215. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello! And Josh Flanagan. Why don't you tell me the comic you'd like to be picked? <laughs> <laughs> I watched that yesterday. <laughs> That's a great episode. At FMBoy.com, we like comics. We read comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks the one that they thought was the best. Or that they liked the best. <laughs> I want to do this next week when it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> they write about it on the website. And we talk about it on this here podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned for the end of the show. Find out if you won the next December giveaway. Can I just say that I love in the script that it has the westernism of this here podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's been there for years. It's like it's like Sam Elliott wrote this. <laughs> He's a closer. You bring him in the end of your movie and, he, and you win. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you do the podcast. Sometimes the podcast do you. <laughs> Before we get to the show, reminder, spoiler warnings are coming. We got spoilers coming from every angle. So duck. Stay tuned to the end of the show <laughs> to find out the next one of the December giveaways. If it's you. <laughs> I met, I met that guy once, and he talks, he talks like that. It's creepy. <laughs> it's nice to meet you, Connor. <laughs> Ron. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can we, just, can we just dwell on the fact that we're making jokes about fucking movie phone, which I haven't d- used since 1998. And a 14-year-old episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> exactly. We well, are... no, used in 99. You must have to get the Phantom Menace tickets. No, I used to remember I was on the website. I was in my dorm room. I, I, I got my Phantom Menace tickets on, uh, through moviephone.com. That was like one of the first times I bought movie tickets on, on, online. If I Interesting. Remember. Yeah. I, I... Not going to be any sitcom episodes about Fandango, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on with the show. Um, so, uh, I'm sorry. I broke. Stop. I... Don't do it. Just talk about the book. <laughs> I broke my fanboy again. <laughs> so this week's uh, pick of the week. Uh, all in all, um, unlike last week where I had a, a stack of books that I wasn't very excited about, and at the end of the book, I, at the end of the week, I was like, "Wow, that was a really good week." This week, I had a stack of books that I was a little excited about, and and generally across the board, it wasn't a super super strong week. Um, well, I don't want to diminish your. I don't your exactly. Pick I was just going to say but, not but, to diminish but the pick. It was a really really boring week. Yeah, yeah, it was a really boring. In fact, I still haven't made a pick, and I don't know if I will. I just there's nothing. Yeah. There were some books I gave five, some books I really liked yep. a lot, but like didn't they didn't jump. Je ne sais quoi. 
Right. At the end of it, I was like, oh, this is one of the weeks where you just don't want to be reading all your books. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I bought. I, I also bought a lot of books. I bought like twenty five. I, I had twenty week. books also. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And none of them were very good. Um. And and there were some. There were some standouts, and there were some. There were some things that did get me, and we're going to talk about some throughout the show. But at ba- basically, the you know, and as I talked about in my review and through the lengthy discussion on the pick of the week uh, comment thread on ifanboy.com, you know, generally the the thing that gets me about my pick of the week is the book that excites me the most. The book that. Um, and a good gauge by it is the book that when I'm done when I'm done reading, I'm calling, texting, talking, emailing to my friends, going, "Did you see that? Like, oh my god, did you see?" It? Or like when I'm in the store on Wednesday or the next Wednesday, going back to the racks, going, "You need to pick up this book." That sort of thing. And that was really the feeling I got after I finished uh, reading Forgetless Number One. Um, Forgetless was uh, written by it's published by Image Comics. It was written by Nick Spencer, who is a fair, relatively new writer. He did um, that Existence 2.0 miniseries from uh, Image uh, mm-hmm. about the guy who swaps you know bodies type of thing, you know, you know, kind of thriller kind of story. Um, and um, essentially, what what the story what the comic revolves around is that uh, Forgetless is the name of like a party, like a you know like a not a rave but like a dance party in New York City. And it's the night of the last one, and there are two stories in this book. Um, and the first one focuses on um, two girls. Uh, one's name is Sonia, one name is Sarah. And they're models living in New York City, and they're trying to make well, they're it. They're aspiring models. They're aspi- yeah, they're aspiring models in New York City, trying to make it, trying to make ends meet. And um, you find out that actually they're also hired assassins. Um, and, and the, the main girl, her first job is this night and she needs to kill, she's been hired to kill this kid at the part, at the party who raped another girl and that sort of thing. Um, so it's got a little bit of that, you know, kind of New York, you know, kind of, you know, uses Twitter and as, as narration, you know, devices and, um, you know, kind of younger generation kind of excitement. It uses, uh, time shifting. Uh, so it's jumping, you know, it's the, you know, the story starts off. You know, it, it starts off straight on a page, and then you turn the page just three hours earlier, and then it goes ten hours earlier. You know, and then it jumps back to the present. Um, so it uses that kind of you know uh, time shifting device, um, and you know it was a fun story. Uh, when I finished that first story, though, there were it, it was it was an it, it was all right. Um, the art I started off not liking at all. Um, the art in the first story was by um, Scott Forbes, and it kind of had a more um, uh, a less disciplined uh, Lunar Brothers feel to it. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah, you know, very, very, you know, minimal lines, but a little more like almost like almost like if you looked at the Lunar Brothers through like a um, like a refraction lens. You know, like the you know not as smooth, a little more jarring, a little more jagged, a little kind of animationy. Um, there were there were some major um, production issues with this with this story. The word balloons were just fuzzy. Like it, it almost looked as if the, uh, what I said is looked like somebody who never made a comic book before. Like they didn't quite know the resolution to use or whatever. But that's you know, but that's nitpicking on the on the craft. Um, so I finished the first story. If the book had ended there, it would have been all right. But then the second story was the one that put it over. The, was was the one that I've been raving about. Um, art by Marley Zarcone. Tell um, and Nick Spencer wrote the second story, and it focuses on three kids in the suburbs outside of New York City wanting to go to this party, and. I've never heard of Marley Zarcone. I've never seen anything else she's done. But these pages were fantastic. They blew me away. Looked like a top shelf book. It 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 just it was like nothing I expected. It her art style reminds me. I, I keep comparing and I, in my review I compared it to a little Paul Pulp, a little Becky Cloonan, maybe a little Ryan Kelly, like that kind of that kind of style. 
Um, a lot more Paul Pope than any of those. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, Paul Pope the mo- is the is the most you know kind of um, you know uh, kind of and a less um, a more a cleaner Paul Pope. Um, but the art just blew me away. Even like the the, the layouts. The, I mean, it's just a straightforward story just about these kids wanting to go to this party. But I ended the, the I got to the last page and I was like, wow! I need to find out who this person is, what else she's done. I want to see more. And it was that feeling of excitement and that feeling of, great, this is a new series. It reminded me when I started reading Phonogram all those years ago. I can't believe it's been years since Phonogram started. But um, when Phonogram started, I was just excited because it was a, it was a new book. It was, it was a, you know, by an artist that I just was discovering and it was, you know, in, in Jamie McKelvey's work. And, and it just had a level of excitement. And actually, it was funny because I d- described Forgetless to somebody as kind of like Phonogram, but without the magic and without the Britpop in New York um, and with more violence. But um, so they're you know they're kind of kindred spirit books. Um, but you know at the you know literally I was in the comic book store walking around with the page with the second story pages showing it to people. I'm like, look at this! Oh my god, check this artist out! Um, and that's you know and that was the you know that was the kind of my basis for picking it because it was you know showed the potential of new creators, a new writer, new artists, a different kind of comic book story, not kind of superhero-y, more you know kind of. Um, you know, uh, last week somebody call, uh, wrote in or called in asking for, you know, or two weeks ago, I forget when, but, you know, other books about regular people, you know, just like normal people. And, and reading that story about these three kids wanting to go to the city, I totally related to that. And it just, you know, it, it would, I just loved it. This book was, this book, at the end of the day, this book was the one that I was most excited about. Breathe. That's, so. <laughs> I liked it. I, um, I liked the second story more. Yeah, than the first. I really, I didn't really have a, I didn't hate the art in the first story, but I really didn't like it. Right. I uh, actually found myself war- warmed up to it by the end of it. When I started, it was a visceral like, oh. But then by the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. Yeah. I just, I just, I, mean, I thought there was a couple of good panels here and there, but uh, you know, there was a couple of too many panels that looked like it was very amateurish. Didn't yeah. look like a professional comic artist. Um, I did like the idea of it. I liked the story. I liked the fact that. When the story starts in the, in the in the main story, we're talking about when it, when it opens up, you think it's one way, and then by the end of the time shifts, you're not sure what what you're reading or who is yeah. you know if if the rapist is actually a rapist, if there's something else going on here, and, and because the opening of the story tells you a wholly different a wholly different tale than what you find by the end. So that in that sense, I really wanted to know what's going to happen next. I like the use of Twitter as 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 um, caption boxes a lot. I like the uh, use of Flickr as the opening page. I mean, I like all that stuff. Yeah, it's very it's very. I mean, the thing is, the book feels very next generation to me. Like you know, very you know, I don't want to say modern because they're all modern, but it seems like you could tell like because the thing is, we've seen creators trying to use Twitter in their stories, and and nobody's really gotten it. It's probably the most successful yeah, use of it agreed. in terms of getting what Twitter actually is. Yep. Um, it was good. I mean, I, it was very solid. I don't have a problem with it. I just, you know, there was. I think the the art was different in the first story. I would like a lot more. Yeah. That just really dragged it down for me. Although the second, the art, in the second story was just fantastic. I really did like the characters a lot in both stories. I felt like yeah. I knew, a knew or have known all of these characters in in both stories. Yeah. No. Um, Nick Perhaps Spencer's- not as assassins, but I knew those type. I know those type of girls, and I know, I would, you know, the kids in the first story when I was younger. Yeah. Um, no, so no, that, that sense was really relatable. That was definitely one of my like Nick Spencer really impressed me with it, with with the writing of the issue with the story and with the characterization yeah. and just like it it felt even though it's you know I can't relate to assassins or anything like that but it it felt relatable you know mm-hmm. um, you know and and even in the second story too like I you know like I know those kids in the second story I was one of those kids in the second story you know um, so yeah it, it was just it was a fun book that I didn't expect that I didn't see coming. 
Totally. And I, and I, I wasn't necessarily planning on reading it, but then, uh, you know, it's one of those larks. Yeah. I'm glad I did because now I'll, I'll want to know what happens next. Yeah. Cool. So um, a close second, though, uh, for Pick of the Week actually was Underground Number 4 from Jeff Parker and Steve Lieber, which is probably the strongest issue of their five-issue miniseries focusing around cave spelunking and that sort of thing. Um, this issue was great. This issue was, was really, really impressed me. Um, I haven't been loving this series totally. I thought it, it's been moving kind of slow, and it hasn't really, you know, uh, it hasn't really felt like a strong direction. But um, this issue focused on the two main characters who are trying to, uh, who are park rangers, trying to get away from these guys who are trying to kill them, and having to go deeper into the cave. And there's a there's a great scene of of them walking up to their head, necks in water, and the cave ceiling is maybe about half a foot down, half a foot further down their, you know down uh, closer to their heads so they have to tilt their heads back and it's really claustrophobic and it's really you, you know Steve Lieber did a great job of getting across the tension of the scene and you know and Jeff Parker you know the the dialogue that was going through during that scene totally was um what you would expect for that kind of you know like oh my god we're gonna die we need to get away what are we doing are we safe you know how deep is the water like all those things that are going around with this you know going deeper and deeper into this kind of cave thing um it was just a great issue so that's what I'm curious about. Definitely, I'm going to check out and trade. It yeah. just, uh, I don't know. I I hear good things about it. Yeah, well, it's, uh, honestly, I, I, I wasn't, I, I was flat out not liking it the first three issues, and this issue turned it around for me big time. So, so was, why did you continue on if you didn't like it? Because he can't I'm, help himself. I'm sorry? He can't help himself. No, no, I li- well, I like Jeff Parker, I like Steve Lieber, and, then, and if I had stopped at issue two, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten this issue. You know, like, and this issue totally made, like, this issue was, was great, it was, is, is the best issue of the series so far, and now in, in one issue to go, and I'm, you know, close to see, you know, ends, ends on a cliffhanger, and I want to see how it ends. Like, now I'm, I'm totally, I'm in, you know. So. I dropped it, not because I didn't like it, but because I didn't really like it. It was like, I was like, I have to make some cuts, and right. like, like, the end of the second one, I was like, it was pretty good. I right, yeah, it. it was, it was just, it was all right, it wasn't, you know. But, I, it, yeah. you know, at the same time, like, I was like, no, I'm just fine with not reading it more. Yeah. I'll, I'll read it someday. Yeah, <laughs> that was how I felt about it. I wasn't like five issue mini will make a nice trade, and and but th- this one issue, that one main scene was it's, it's, it's the scene depicted on the cover. Like that was the one that really really impressed me. So uh, my question about Captain America Reborn is, I'm trying to figure out why they needed to add an issue. Yeah, because this this issue basically is one long pro- pro- protracted fight scene. Yep. So you figure why couldn't this have been shortened? And you know, integrated to, into the last issue and the, the next issue. I mean, why, I mean, I don't. I, was, well, I finished this and I thought, well, this one didn't really do anything to forward the story. It it it, it didn't. It was a whole issue basically of what we knew was going to happen. According to Tom Brevoort, Ed Brubaker said that he just he couldn't fit it all into this last issue and therefore needed another issue. Right. So, I mean, obviously yeah. that's why they would do it. But my right. question is, after reading it, I doesn't I don't see that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, th- I realized after this issue is that as much as I like Brian Hitch and I've enjoyed his work a lot in the series, I don't think he really matches well with Ed Brubaker. Nope. His style of storytelling is different than Brubaker's, and it just is, it feels different and it feels weird. It's like a yeah. weird. Ju- Sometimes you can tell when the style of the art doesn't match the style of the writing. Well, do you think that's because do you think that's because you're we're so used to or, and enjoyed you know the Steve Eptings of the, and that that whole you know army of artists that have worked on Captain America over the past couple of years and this is a I think big, it's because of Epting and it's because of Larkin and, and yeah. it's because of Phillips. Yeah. All those yeah. guys match Brubaker's style. This is too bombastic for Brubaker. Specifically Brubaker. on Captain America, it's had a single style. You know, even as they went through different artists, there was a, a unifying look tone. Yeah, yeah and look. And and now this is like sort of the culmination of the story, and it's different. And so it's automatically – it'd be like 
if all of a sudden the third Lord of the Rings movie was directed by McGee, and you'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> even if, and that has nothing to do with whether you like McGee or not. Even if you did, you'd be like, "Whoa, whoa, slow the camera down." Whoa, you know? Yeah. It, the, the tone didn't doesn't match, and I've, I, that's really thrown me off for the series. And it, I was really excited for it at first, but I, I haven't been. Yeah, this issue. I mean, this issue had some great moments. I mean, like the you know the 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 Modocs, the two page spread of the 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 Super Modoc Squadron was great, just because I love Modoc, and you know, and and some of the Captain America Red Skull dialogue was great. But yeah, I was kind of mad about this too, and I just kind of want this to be over. That's the thing is, it's been too drawn out. Well, yeah. you know how it ends, so it yeah. can be over for you. Yeah, true, exactly. And next week, uh, battle for the shield or whatever it's called. Who will wield the shield? Who will wield the shield? So the that's going to happen before this actually ends. <laughs> Who will wield the shield? <laughs> wield. I'm hoping in the next issue that uh, Red Skull shoots Steve Rogers with force lightning and then he, then Steve, he throws Red Skull over the pit into the heart of the Death Star. I would, and I would let like a nine-year-old to walk up to them and very stiffly ask how come they can do that and then explain, well. <laughs> Hitch, Hitch, was the, Hitch was the factor in this. Hitch was the, yeah. was the mistake, I think. Yeah. Um, which also, is again bra- bra- just breaking breaking it out of the mini the, make, the series and making it its own mini event was also a mistake. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and and just so that people get this clear, we're not saying Brian Hitch isn't good. I no, don't want to see one. Where's the Brian Hitch love? I don't want to see that. Yeah. This is this is not what that that comments about. It's about a shift in tone, and right, that's absolutely the case. I think. Yeah, no, I mean, Hitch is great. I mean, I, I, I mean, I loved Hitch's work on the Ultimates. I love, we, we've been a fan of Hitch going way back to when he was doing stuff with Wildstorm and stuff. But yeah, I, I think I do, now that you guys say it, I do agree with you that I don't think the styles do match. And I even like what he's doing here. It's just, just when, if you just looked at the art on its own. Yeah. But if you take the art in the, in the context of the story, it doesn't fit. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's an Oscar so. Wilde quote on the back. Which I thought yes. was odd, which didn't really match Thomas Paine and the other tone of the other people. <laughs> had, you know, maybe needed so. a qu- needed a, needed a quote, man. Don't <laughs> don't knock it. Go on a press. Hey, I love Oscar Wilde. It's fine. And, um, and I know that when I think of Captain America, Oscar Wilde is the one uh, classical <laughs> writer who readily pops to mind <laughs> almost immediately. Well, Oscar Wilde did talk a lot about freedom and and all that. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> long time ago, we all three of us read X Factor. All three of us loved X Factor. Yep. For about a, I don't know, year or two, how'd, and then how'd they get to two hundred? What happened? <laughs> you closed your eyes, and, that, and Jesus, that, and I thought I didn't think it'd been that long. Um, I dropped off. Josh dropped off when it got embroiled in all of the X crossovers. It really lost its way. It didn't feel like the same book anymore. And so this issue two hundred, which is I guess the return to the original numbering. Yep. Uh, this is like the return to the original book. I, I bought this because that I bought it sort of on. Nostalgia for the old book that I love, plus the fact that it's the, the claim that it was going to be like it was originally before the crossovers, and it is like it was originally. Yeah. It was really good, uh, and I know Ron and I are going to disagree in a second on the art, but story wise, I thought it very much felt like that the original year that Peter David had on the see, book. Story wise, this is Peter David top. Like this is one of the best X Factor story like issues that X, uh, Peter David has written in in two years, easy. Yeah, this was great, great fun. This was the, you know. This was the book that I remember loving a lot, and, and I was happy I went back to it. Now I'll probably stay on it because now it seems like they're back to doing what they did, just to being a, an, a mutant private detective team yep. in New York and not worrying about ex-Necrotia or ex-Nation or any of the other things that are going on, just, just doing their own thing. And even though I don't really know, like it took me, it took me a second to figure out who was still on the team and, and why Guido or, or, uh, or Strong Guy wasn't at the Jersey Shore but was in fact – Still here with the team. Um, 
and wearing weird sort of matrixy sunglasses. Uh, well, that, but other that than gets, that, it was good. That gets into the art. Like I, like like you said, the story was fantastic, and the art was by um, Marco Santucci and Patrick. Oh no, I'm sorry, Bing Bing Casino, Casino with Marco Santucci on pencils and Marco Santucci with and Patrick Pizzalunga on inks, and. Um, I've never heard of those folks. Um, there were some moments of the art that were that were really good, like the scene with the invisible woman, like when it went to black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was that was really really good. Um, at the the last pretty much the last page when Longshot does the flashback kind of thing, and it was a, a mix of black and white and color. Um, yep. But I, I just I hate I had a visceral hatred reaction to the art for some reason. I hated the costumes. I hated the way Guido looked. I hated the you know like. Pretty, you know, a lot of the what? facial expressions, like it was just like every every time, every time I turned the page, I was like, there was another thing. I was like, oh, oh, I felt like I was getting punched. You know, like what's it, with Jamie's hair? What about it? He's got like that that lick spit thing up in the front. Yeah, the spiky on some of the thing. pages. Like yeah. I know, but it's it looks like the joke out of that Ben Stiller movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I I gotta say, I don't I don't mind the art on this. It kind of I like, like the art a lot. Yeah. It looks like a slightly more cartoony, uh, like uh, Richard Corbin. Yeah, yeah, I, I see bit. that. Um, I, I, I know what you mean. I don't like the costume designs so yeah. much, but the art itself looks pretty good. Yeah, I like the texture to it. I like the fact that it, it, everyone sort of looked had this crosshatch shade to it, mm-hmm. and it, it looked unlike anything else I was reading. And I really like. I, yeah, I mean, the, the, the clothes looked silly, but then again, really, I mean, the clothes always look silly. No, I know, I know, but but it was it was also the clothes, but also it's particularly strong guy too with the the way the clothes worked with him and the way the character and how it seemed as if there were like I'm looking at a page where in, when Richter and Shatterstar are, wa- are watching TV and strong guy comes in and he's looks he comes in and he looks huge as he should and then you turn the page and he looks like he has a normal size head like I just felt as if there wasn't consistency in terms of how the figures are being yeah, drawn. Yeah, I can see that. You know, um, but you know. Uh, but the story was great, and I and this book, and you know, and give you know, give the four ninety nine uh, cover charge a lot of shit. You get a lot of content though, um, and because they reprinted that first issue of Madrox uh, from Jesus almost ten years ago, um, a long time ago. Um, so that was nice to see, and as well as a backup story with Siren, and and a, and actually probably too many pages from the Marvel uh, handbook of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I, I'll admit, I, I love those pages, but I'll admit that, that was like I'm like another one. But if they're trying to get people to jump on board, I mean, for new readers, that that makes sense. And you let them know who they are, yeah, right. But a five dollar price tag maybe maybe wouldn't get them on in the first place. So I don't know. <laughs> one thing that I want to do after reading a comic book is then read multiple pages of dense small text. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. That's really quite a lot. Yeah, it's kind of oh. almost too much. But um, so well, the, thing with, the thing with strong guys, if you, if you look at the old Madrox thing, he just looks ridiculous no matter what. No, he doesn't I've look always, any more. I've, I've always hated the way he's looked. The yeah. stupid tuft of hair, and he's wearing stupid little glasses in the old one anyway. So yeah, it's just different kind of stupid glasses. Yeah. I really like Ben Grimm in this, though. Yeah, the yeah. Ben, ben Grimm did did look good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's interesting choice to make it a mystery about the Fantastic Four. I like that a lot. It, it, I like. I always like the integration in the Marvel universe, like yeah. like Ron does. And I like the fact that when, you know, lately it seemed like in, in the Marvel world, the different universes have been separate. Yeah. You know, like X Men, X Men never interact with anybody else. And so I like the fact that they were interacting with people on the other side of the world. Right. So, uh, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited again for X Factor. We'll see. And, and, and who knows if Casino and Santucci are staying on long term, or if they're going to swap up the artists or anything like that. But the writing was the best it's ever been. It was very good. Uh, so Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray's Last Resort, uh, last issue came out. 
Uh, it's very bloody. Very bloody. <laughs> this this miniseries, everyone dies. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you get attached to somebody, you think, okay, they're going to be the one that survives, and they get eaten by a tiger. Well, what, what I thought was great is that it so it ends with um with the army, you know, the guy coming to save his sister, and the army, you know, helicopter setting down, and them grabbing some uh, survivors. But sure enough, someone who gets on the helicopter was bit. And the last page just cracked me up in that they brought it back to New York and it required them to shut down Staten Island and they blew up the bridges. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was the best way to end the story ever. <laughs> Turn Staten Island to the wasteland it already is. Exactly. Just kind of cemented how we all feel about Staten Island. I'm sorry if you live in Staten Island. <laughs> no, really, sorry. <laughs> but I was just like, it was funny because it was just out of nowhere. And then they, and also they, uh, Bru- um, Josh, I don't know if you were upset by the brutal killing of the dog. When uh, uh, the dog was into, into the helicopter blades, it was, I was like, "Ooh, he killed yeah. a pug!" I know, exactly. he, he, he punted it into the heli- blades, helicopter looks a, blades. Looks a lot like Mike Norton's pug, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I don't know if Jimmy and Mike have had any feelings, <laughs> yeah. but uh, there you go. Well, was you somebody does apologize for it too. I'm sorry about your dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This series was just a lot of fun, and the ending just had me laughing out loud. So oh, it was a crazy, it was a crazy series, and and then I I read the last three in a row in preparation for the, reading the last one, and it was it's just like one constant yeah. massacre after another, and just <laughs> it, seriously, I was kept trying to figure out. I, I didn't realize that everyone was going to die. I kept trying to figure out who was going to be the one to survive, and every time I thought I had it, they would get brutally murdered by some zombie or somebody else. <laughs> Crazy. It was awesome. Yeah. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I liked the art style a lot. I like. I love the art. Of- yeah, the art was great. I love not knowing what's going to happen, and um, and I think the art really did support that too because it was it was it, you know every time you turn the page, it got a little crazier. You know, it had a watercolor feel to it. Yeah, the totally. Art did. Yeah. Um, and that texture. This was fun. But I mean, if, I don't know if he's doing it on a type of paper where that texture is coming through or not, or yeah. you know, it, like it, it just it makes me want to hope that it's actual watercolor. Yeah. Even though I know that's probably not the case. Well, but I don't know. Like, you can see brush strokes. Yeah, I don't trust. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I just figure it's a Photoshop filter. But yeah. Um, well, between this, real. between Jonah Hex, and between Power Girl, I think uh, Jimmy and, and, and Justin are doing a really good, you know, they had a really bang up year. Oh, yeah, Let me totally. ask you this. Is Justin Gray a real person? <laughs> We've never seen him. It's Eric Troutman <laughs> again. I, no, I know Eric Troutman now. That's the discussion we had when, before. We, we, we there's another guy like that, too. I, yeah. can't, I forget. But Justin Gray, I've never seen him. Yeah. I've never heard him. I've never, I mean, does Jimmy keep him in a, like, chained up somewhere? I don't know. <laughs> He's a manifestation of a personality. I think I think he's on Twitter, but that could be manipulated. It's just some tax dodge. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, off all the ways to go, getting your face eaten off by a bunch of rabid monkeys—that's got to be low on the list. <laughs> I was going to say that it's a pretty good way to go. <laughs> no, that's low on the list. That's low on my list. Yeah. It's up there with the shark swim. <laughs> <laughs> I almost feel like that would be preferable. I feel like you would, you would be dead right away with the shark biting you in half. Shark Whereas <laughs> with the monkeys. Tearing at your face. We've had this discussion. Yeah. Crazy monkey, crazy rabbit monkeys, or, or what was the other one? I think is it sharks. Well, the, yes. the original discussion was uh, sharks. Would you rather like swim like a mile among the sharks or spend like like a week in county jail? Oh, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. And then and then it gets to the inevitable question of it, either the sharks or the monkeys will rise up and take over at some point. Right. And which is preferable? 
It was flying sharks or flying monkeys. That was the that was the big debate. Yeah, which was worse. And they're both they're both rabid and crazy. So I I really I've got to go with the sh- with the monkeys being worse because the sharks they're they're not down with a lot of ceremony. You know, they just want to take the bite. Well, yeah, the sharks the sharks are brutal, but the monkeys got have got some thinking going. The on. monkeys are mean. Yeah, yeah exactly, th- this exactly. This is this is what I'm saying. Yeah, they're yeah. like us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the crazed monkey eye. And think about the screeching yes. and just oh. the biting the face. <laughs> the, there's like so much want, more psychological would, terror with the monkeys. The monkeys, the monkeys, I feel would be much more down with a taunt of some kind. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel like you'd open your curtains in the morning and see a pack of them just just staring at you from across the like the way. Here's the thing: I think it's very unlikely that I would be raped by a shark. <laughs> <laughs> but a monkey might have his way with you. I'm saying it's it's more likely that they would think, well, before I desecrate him, I'd like to dominate him also. <laughs> It's a whole mammal thing going on there. This is one of the most and you've seen well, we've all seen the the shark documentaries when they get their food. They just they're like, yeah. oh, they they, they there's a brutal all- there's a brutality to a shark where there's a uh, maniacal threat to the monkey. Like I just think about those movies when the mo- monkeys are in cages and they just all start screaming and screeching and yelping. Right. And, uh, yeah, that, sort of yeah, yeah, rhythmic chanting. Yeah, and- exactly. This- yeah is as far away from the topic as we've maybe gotten in a year or two. And I, for one, would like to just applaud both of you. <laughs> but we should probably do the sponsor. Probably. It's probably a good time to talk about Audible then. <laughs> Audible is the place for audiobooks. You can download them to your iPod or any of your other handheld listening devices. They've got over 60,000 movie titles across all genres. They've got all kinds of sci-fi fantasy books. I got myself a... Well, the uh, what's his Facebook? The monkey Facebook? No, monkey the Facebook? other one. <laughs> the monkey Facebook? No, Again, no the. Uh, it's not like know, anyone's listening here. <laughs> the Hodgman book. I got oh, the Hodgman. Hodgman. Yep, yep. What does yeah, that have to do with monkeys? I, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> you can go to audiblepodcast.com/slash/ifanboy. Sign up to get a free audiobook and a 14-day trial. That's some fantastic. I did it myself. That's how I got the book. Yep. It's pretty awesome. And this week's audible pick is The Kid Stays in the Picture, Unabridged, read by Robert Evans, six hours and 17 minutes. So honestly, that's six hours and 17 minutes of gold. <laughs> it's possi- I'm, possibly I'm the, great, the, the greatest audiobook read ever. I have the abridged CD version of this that I bought, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And I feel, you know, I got left out because this is the unabridged version. Yeah. So you got to get it. And uh, will I be getting this one? You bet your ass I will. <laughs> Was it going to get in the cage for the monkeys? <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch that movie now. Oh, God. Anyway. All right. So moving on. So uh, Ex Machina number 47, Josh. I were, am... there mon- were there monkeys in this, Josh? I don't believe so. No, there, well, there were in some of the earlier issues, though. Yeah. Uh, I am of a couple of minds on this. On the one hand, like, it's, 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 this is the last gasp of Brian K. Vaughn as a comic book writer, I believe. Yep. Uh, yeah, maybe well, he, we'll says he's do, he says he's got another project in the works, but we'll sure see, enough. You know, if his I'll, movie gets stuff, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Here's me believing that one. Anyway, uh, but on the other hand, uh, I like that it's ending. I, I, meaning like the, I think, the I think ramp. Tony, I think Tony Harris likes that it's ending too. Well, I just the ramp up to the end has been really interesting, and I don't. Well, I don't think this needs to go on forever. And it's been like I feel like it's going to be a good ending. Vaughn is really good with endings, and so like the issues have been good, and it's exciting, and they've been coming out, which is like every time one comes out for the last few months, I've just been like, oh, it's like a treat because I just didn't expect it because it was you know, sort of uh, uh, off schedule for so long. But uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and I think that I think 
for some reason, t- Tony's art is is gotten way looser, and it looks great. It's evolving. I mean, the thing is, there's points where it looks really good. There are points where it looks really rushed. But the style definitely evolved in the story arc way more further down the line than, than it has been in this title for the whole run. Um, and there's, you- there's some things in this issue that I really, really like. There's some things that I was like, oh, he's just trying to get it done. So. Uh- yeah, I don't even mind. I mean, the thing is, though, you, you say rushed, and I say it's like the, this loser, sketchy look, yeah. which I like much more than sort of the very smooth edge stuff that he did through a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, for me, feels like his earlier work, like the Starman stuff, which I think is, is uh, a little more of my taste. Yeah. So, uh, like, the last couple pages, I thought it looked spectacular. Yeah. Cool. Uh, really good stuff. So. All right. And, and is it ending at 50? Do we, do we have that confirmed? Or? I think. Yeah. I think so. Interesting. All right. I'm That's not going to Okay. The Batman 80-page giant was notable for a couple of reasons. One, there was a story drawn by Stephanie Bushima, oh. who I assume is another Bushima. She's the granddaughter of one of Sal or John Bushima. Yeah. yeah, really, really nice sort of her work cartoony so style. Her work yeah. is so good, yeah. Uh, two, there was a story drawn by Chris Samney. Oh, wow. Nice. an Ivy story. And three, there was a story of Alfred's night with a hooker. No. Yes. Who wrote it? David Tishman. Who drew it? That would make sense. Alex Conat. Conat. Was it was, it was, is it a tranny hooker? No, he goes to <laughs> he, he went there. He, <laughs> he pulls up in his limo and he picks up a hooker on the, off the street and and he takes her to this ball, this charity function which also has nobody at it. It's much like the 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 Jason Aaron Batman from a couple years ago, the 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 convention that he then there was nobody in the crowd yeah. because the artist didn't want to draw a huge crowd. There's nobody at this ball either, uh. um, <laughs> and so you think, well, he probably put the hooker in a nice dress. No, she's dancing around in her fishnets and little tiny hooker skirt. That's awesome. And That's everyone cool. is all everyone's all like upset and offended. So he, Alfred gets kicked out. So Alfred says, "Well, let's go up to my room then." Oh my god. <laughs> How did this like, get by? Paul Levin leaves just, and all this goes to hell. Six pages of dirty, filthy hooker sex. <laughs> and then uh, he says, I, "I bought an outfit for you, and, and I hope you like it." And she's all trying to, you know, pump herself up in the, in the mirror. And I, I'm just horrified at this point. Are, oh are you? Is this a joke? No. <laughs> are you? Are you playing a joke on us? And then, and then she comes out wearing normal clothes, and he puts her on a bus, and he says, uh, "Oh my God, uh, this never happened." He says, uh, ever since my best friend died, he used to help people. This is my way of helping people one person at a time. By so, having sex with them? <laughs> well, there's no, there's no actual sex. It could have happened between the panels. Um, so but, she th- he uh, doesn't think there's any chance that she's just addicted to crack and won't <laughs> right. off the bus? When she just <laughs> so that all she needed was a fucking business suit and a bus ticket? Oh right. Because the fucking problems are deeper than that, Pennyworth. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, little surfacy, but it was, it was more for the, like... Is this what, what? What is this happening? What? what that's what weird. What's the point of bringing her to the party first to embarrass her? I don't know. That's the weird. thing. I will like shame she... you first and then send you back to Wichita. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, it was very bizarre. She was a little shamed, and then uh, Alfred returns to the uh, tower for the morning, and, and Damien and Dick are eating breakfast. And how was your night, Alfred? Oh, I was. Uh, let's see what it says. Uh, I spent the evening with a prostitute. That's what he said. Yes. <laughs> it was a very strange story. Very strange. <laughs> and then and then Dick just goes, DP? <laughs> oh, that's awful. Awful. <laughs> Which oh. many would have had to have somebody else there. <laughs> Incorruptible number one came out from Boom, sort of a companion book to Irredeemable. Uh, I really liked this. Yeah, me too. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a wonderful uh I don't want to well, say bookend, but well, just the, the, pre- the premise is the op- I mean, like, Irredeemable was when a superhero goes evil. 
and now incorruptible is when a supervillain decides to go good. In the mm-hmm. face of yeah. the first one. I mean, yeah. he sees Plutonian wreaking havoc and he decides uh, to help people. I, I liked this a lot. I could have used a different artist on it. I thought that was the weakest point. Um, <laughs> I've decided buts. to let the artist come around. No, but I, I think- I'm, I'm going to give him a chance to grow like Peter Krause, Krause did. Um, but I didn't hate the art. I just thought mm, it wasn't as strong as the art in, in Irredeemable. But mm-hmm. this made me, this book was good. It made me laugh out loud a few times. Um, yeah, it was good. I liked solid. the main character. When you burn the money, why didn't you just give the money to charity? So jump on while you can. I got the Tim Sale cover, which is awesome. It was better than the Cassidy cover. But um, so uh, Gre- Green Lantern Corps number forty three features core uh, uh, features Guy Gardner becoming a Red Lantern and Connor's nightmare continues. <laughs> I gave this a five because I really liked the beginning with the with Guy's rage at Kyle die, dying and not being able to accept it and trying to save him, and I, I thought that was all really really well done. Some of the best. Writing Peter J. Tomasi's done in this in this series, I thought. And I like the I like the Black Lantern ring trying to get Kyle. And yes. Like the, yeah, like that, I thought that was really. And good. I, lo- I thought also the art was some of the best that this, they've had in the series overall. Yeah. The and then it's, they turn around and Kyle was brought back to life by the the Star Peace Sapphire. Lanterns. What was those? The Star the, Sapphires, uh, the sluts. The slight um, purple. Yeah. The lavender. The loved ones. Yeah. Um, which was fine. I mean, I didn't really, you know, it was kind of. I, I saw people up in arms about it, and that's just, you know. Well, the, the question the question now is what's obvious is that basically the Star Sapphire, you know, kind of raises Kyle by tapping into the, the love with the girl with the with Sinestro's daughter, and they you know makes a whole big thing out of how she says your heart is his heart, his heart is your heart, and, and a fusion of love and will, two hearts are one. So and then Kyle becomes you know is resurrected. So is there some sort of symbiotic connection now? If she dies, does he die? You know, like is that is it some you know that that's what I'm where I'm expecting it to go. So. Who knows, like the ending with Mogo Show. As one. Yeah, but then, yes, that was the song I was thinking of. Well, who did who sang that song? Two of Hearts. Yeah, who uh, sang it? Was something, that, I don't know. Is that Madonna? No, it was like Samantha Fox or something like that. Jesus. It's not her, it's somebody else. Mogo shows up at the end though, which is awesome. I thought that was why I got a five for the beginning and for the cliffhanger. Yeah. The class stuff I could take or leave, it doesn't really bother me. They didn't really make a big deal of him dying, so yeah. him coming back alive isn't a big deal either. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And finally, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 15, new story arc, Fred Van Lent. 15? 15. 615. <laughs> the vulture appears for the first and time. there's the typo in the script. <laughs> um, Amazing Spider-Man number 615, Fred Van Lenti, um, not Brian Polito, rather Javier Polito doing the art um, and continuing the gauntlet um, kind of story arc. Uh, the next villain that Spider-Man's dealing with is Sandman, who uh, is one of my favorite Spider-Man rogues. And this issue was just great. It was just awesome Spider-Man story. So. And they've seeded Governor's Island to the Sandman at some point. Yeah, at some point. I loved the art, and I loved yep. Spider-Man swinging around New York in his hat, scarf, earmuffs, yeah. and leg warmers. That was very. I mean, that made me laugh the first time I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they uh, kept it up. Yeah, yes. totally. Yep. <laughs> I like the fact oh. he's running around stopping crimes with, with earmuffs on. <laughs> it's and Van Lenti's really good at this, and it really captured like I love that it's happening. Like it's winter in New York and it's snowing, and like it's the it's. I love the idea of this is all happening now in in the world. You know, um, so yeah, good times. All right, so uh, those are the books that we enjoyed this week, and uh, you enjoyed a bunch of comics that came out as well. And if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, you can see all the books that come out every week, and then you come, come pull, do your pull list, and you can rate and review them. And this week, our first review is uh, from Cubman987, who reviewed Power Girl, Power Girl number 74. Nope. Power Girl number seven. 
Oh wow, that's typo number two. Power Girl number seven. Wow, that's Power Girl got uh, that, that run really. They they just ran with it. It's, they're cranking them out weekly for about a year. Power, Amanda Connor's in the hospital. <laughs> Power Girl number seven. Uh, he gave the story a five out of five and the art a five out of five. And at the time of this recording, about nine uh, percent of the iFanboy community made their pick of the week. Um, and Cubman nine eighty seven says, "I'm really glad that I decided to go out and pick up the first six issues of Power Girl after reading too many good things about the series on various sites and blogs. I really enjoyed all six issues." and this issue might actually be my favorite one so far. This issue has a little bit of everything. Love or lust, action, humor, scantily clad women and men, giant space monsters, and a guy named Chancellor Groovicious who looks straight out of the 1970s. As with the first six issues, this is just a lot of fun to read. I think there's a lot more humor in the issue and I found myself laughing quite a few times. From the goofy 1970s vibe to the funny sidebars, this issue provides lots of laughs. I'd like to see a big push on this book Yeah, soon. I think this is a book everyone should be reading. It's it's really one of the best books out there. Uh, if there was a trade, I would be I would have bought it for both of you guys for Christmas. But there's not a trade, so I didn't buy it for you guys for Christmas. But... We wait three years, there will be a trade. I don't see right. what the problem is. <laughs> um, wait, but that's is, the problem. This, this is one of the better the spirit books that DC puts out that no, that none of people are reading. Amanda Connor is just brilliant on this book, and she she creates a very retro, sexy vibe without being cheesecake. Yeah. Even even though people think Power Girls she would be automatically cheesecake, she's not because Amanda Connor treats her with a lot of respect, and she's always in the power position in the book, and, and the men aren't. Yeah. Um, not- and this was a this was a great '70s throwback vibe. It had a, a, a Vartox looking for a mate on his planet because on his planet the a, there was a war, and somebody dropped a. a contraceptive bomb on the city and made all the women infertile awesome. so uh, he goes to, he wants power girl and, he, and she wants nothing to do with him because he looks like uh, 1970s Sean Connery and, and uh, he, he, so he's going to do a bunch of feats of strength to impress her and they're just a disaster and it was very funny and, and it's Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray if there is a Justin Gray sure, sure. <laughs> writing this very funny action based throwback but, um, book that's very, cool. very solid not to stir up the pot, but um, uh, the girl, the Marvel Girls comics announcement. How good was Amanda Connor's cover? Uh, beautiful. I, I don't know. I, I realize I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen her draw Marvel characters. Her Spider Man was great. Her Wolverine was great. Like all those. Ca- it was, it was, I was like, oh, that's fantastic. You know what? I, the other day I was going through my one of my long boxes. I pulled out of storage and I stumbled across her drawn Justice League issue. Really? Yes. Wow. Um, how cool is that? That's really cool. I want to see that. Comic book Chris is up with the next review, and he's talking about Dark Avengers number 12. He gave the story a 2 out of 5, and the art a 4 out of 5. And as of now, the pick of the week percentage is 0.02%. That is not a lot, for those of you who don't know math. This is his review. Damn it! And everything was going so smoothly until this issue, dot, dot, dot. If you read my review of Dark Avengers 10 a while back, you know of my gripe with the series. For a book with Avengers in the title, there hasn't really been much Avengers action going on. Sure, there have been some great dialogue between the characters in previous issues, but I feel that some action and big fight scenes are at least a little integral to the success of a book like this. I mean, has been some fighting? Wait, I mean, there has been some fighting, but nothing really that memorable. In issue 10, it looked like the cogs were in motion so that this team of Avengers could finally have a good threat to go up against and finally prove themselves as a team, and not just as a punching bag for the rest of the Marvel U. And then in issue 11, we had an issue devoted to introducing us to Molecule Man, who seemed like a sizable adversary for this team. So forgive me if I was expecting a solid conclusion since everything was set up so nicely. I certainly wasn't expecting more of the same crap that has been plaguing this series. That, I'm, that was conf- a lot I'm, conf- of, I'm confused lot by of- his review. He seems to be thinking that they're setting up the Dark Avengers to be a team in the Marvel Universe. That is probably a mistaken 
Well, that's what, that, well, that's they what are they punching bags that they exist yeah. for. They're not. Yeah. They're not going to be an Avengers team going forward. They exist. They exist as an adversary to the real Avengers. They're the Thunderbolts. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So they're never going to be set up as a team in the Marvel Universe who are going to be doing Avengers type things. They're always going to be the punching bag until Siege ends, and then the the, the real Avengers reassert themselves. I mean, yeah. this is not. This is not a team you're ever going to be rooting for. Right. It's kind of about the, the book. As far as I can tell, the purpose of the book, and you can sort of take it or leave it, but the purpose of the book is to explore these characters in these roles, which are, of course, the uh, the, uh, the unusual place for most of these characters to be. Yeah. And that seems to be the way that it's going. You know, how will they all react? Um, I did. I did. I will sit like in this book. I w- I was at to get to the end, and it's like Bob. Yeah. And then the sentry comes and he fixes everything again but here, because but here's he has the, new but, powers. But here's the yeah. But here's the thing now. Now the sentry has moved forward and realizes that he can control all matter and molecules and everything, and declares that he cannot die. And the inching Spitting towards in your face. the inching towards shoehorning the sentry into Marvel Man continues. Yeah, I predicted it. I predicted it. At yeah, San we Diego. did at San Diego. This, we, yeah, we totally but, did. But this, see, the thing is, this didn't work for Superman when they kept giving, when they made him omnipotent. I mean, the thing is, the way that Marvel Man exists in those comic books, that does not work in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And, I mean, they can try it, and maybe it'll be fun for a little while, but they're going to end up with this, the Beyonder, basically, again. And, and, you know, what story is there to tell? I mean, there are stories to tell about it, but... It's sort of inevitable conclusions. It's going to take something really amazing for Bendis to pull out of his hat to turn around the Sentry for me, and and I know he's trying to, and I believe he secretly he's going to be the one to make the Sentry work, and I, I I'm not I'm not buying it. I don't think it's, it's working. So hey, uh, what if you wanted to get some comics? Where would you go? Well, I would I would probably check with DCBS, which is Discount Comic. I'm sorry, DCBService.com. They have monthly specials of up to seventy five percent off and forty percent off all major publishers. So if you uh, don't have a good local comic shop or you, you want to get a discount on your weekly books, this is a really good way to go. The flat rate shipping is five ninety five for any and all U.S. orders. You can buy anything that shows up in previews. There are over uh, 5,400. There's more than that. There's many trade paperbacks in stock. Like 9,000, uh, I think. Actually. Something yeah. like that. There's a lot more than that. Uh, the nine, that's a lot of trade paperbacks. Connor has almost that many. Try, you can track your orders online, so get to dcbservice.com. All right. On to the emails. Robert says, I noticed in the manga section that Marvel has teamed up with Delray to produce two mangas, Wolverine, Prodigal Son, and X-Men Misfits. I bought the X-Men Misfits manga for my daughter who reads Bleach, Full Metal, Lovely Complex, etc. She loved it. It appears that the X-Men story is basically Kitty Pride's romantic adventures trapped between two all-boys schools, Xavier's and the Hellfire Club. For art style, see the incredible Beast character art below. Which he, I guess he, he, sent along, he sent along a scan of the Beast character design, which is pretty good. Uh, his first question, do you agree that Marvel and DC, etc. should print mangas, either new material like this or reformatted trades, to reach a greater audience? And two, would you consider reading any mangas based on Marvel and DC characters, such as a Beast solo series? Well, it's an interesting question, because it's like, do, should they be printing manga-type stories to reach a greater Yes. Like, great, yes. reach a greater audience? Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, would I consider reading it? Uh, you know, like I'm, you know, maybe. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't. I wouldn't not read it. You know, I think you would consider it. I think that's the flaw in the question. Yeah. Would you read it? Is the better question. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it might not be for me though, because but your daughter who reads, you know, who's reading manga, this could be a good way to get her into these characters, and you know, and and build up a line of comics that are for her. You know, I think that that's a, that's a fine thing to do. It might not, not everything be. has to be for us. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm not convinced. That, there's a ton of crossover though. What do you mean? 
I, I don't know if that the, the, the people, and of course the people who read both, of course there are, yeah. but I think the majority of people who read manga probably aren't interested in, in non-manga stories, so I don't know if there's a ton of crossover for the, for the characters. I think there's a way to get kids, though, who are sort of used to everything at the same time. Yeah. You know, not, not people like us. Meaning, you know, like people are sort of set in their ways and like they like what they like and that, that's their thing. And also, I mean, for me, it's it, they're X-Men comics. I'm not going to buy new normal X-Men comics. So. Right. I'm yeah. not going to buy that. But it, but it can't hurt. I mean, I think the publishers need to try things and if they can build audience, then great. If it works, then run with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. See, theoretically, they could be outselling their regular books almost right away. Which would cause everyone to freak out. I would, I would, I would love to see that happen. By the way, yeah, <laughs> I mean that would be fantastic. This would be the ultimate the introduction of the Ultimate Universe times a hundred if that happened. Yeah, totally. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Uh, if you have a question, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com, and you can also call and leave a voicemail, like a couple people did. And our first ones uh, got a question about a creator that we've been talking about. Hey guys, this is Brian driving the highways and byways of South Texas. I was listening to your podcast, and you guys were uh, ribbing on Jeff Love again. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say that his stuff late recently has, has been good, because it really hasn't. But back in the, at least as far as I was concerned, you know, early, uh, early 2000s, I, I, I really liked the stuff. You know, like the long Halloween stuff, his uh, uh, Superman for All Seasons, I thought was great. I'm pretty sure that was him. A lot of the stuff he did with Tim, him and Tim Sale, that stuff is fantastic. Even even the Marvel stuff, uh, Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, uh, Hulk Gray was okay, but, you know, whatever. But, uh, I don't know, I, I, really, I really thought his, his stuff was, was good, just, you know, his stuff lately hasn't been good. Then again, I haven't read Hulk either. I kind of didn't want to pick it up, though, because I just, you know, wanted to see big, stupid action. But, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, what do you got against him, guys? Did he, did he kill your puppies? I don't, I don't understand. I uh, love the podcast, guys. Love the website. And hope to hear from you all soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. So let me get this right. Somebody does something you like once, you have to like them forever. No. You know what's funny yeah. is that you're absolutely right about the stuff that you listed uh, in detail of things that he did that were good 10 years ago. Uh, and I think that that, for me, is the thing where I feel like the most – like it makes me not like the stuff that I don't like now more. Because I was like, right. wow, I used to really like the stuff that he was doing. And then recently, I haven't liked anything. And it's been years. It's not like it's just a few books it, and I'm, I'm giving up on it. But, I mean, years. Ever since he moved from DC back to Marvel, he has not, it has not been good. Like, well, the Marvel color books were good. No, 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 no. The Marvel color books were when he was at Marvel earlier this decade. Then he went okay. back to DC and he did Superman, Batman. Oh, right, did, right, right. And okay. he did um, you know, some, some other stuff. And then he came back to Marvel – and when he came back to Marvel to now, and that's been Hulk, it's been Ultimate stuff, it's, and it's been shit. It's been shit. I don't we, even know. I can't, I can't we even want to say clarify, it's We like stuff. all the old stuff. We like, yeah. the, we, we like the colored books. We like Superman. I didn't like all the seasons. Well, for the I most part. the first ones. Well, um, I love Tim Sale. I mean, he's, I mean, he's great. And, and, all and Hall, Long Halloween is good. I think a big problem with what, what Loeb has been doing is that he's kind of fallen, and we've heard him say it in interviews, he's, he's admitted to it, not in the context that I'm saying, but I think he's fallen into the trap of, quote-unquote, writing to his artist. 
and really kind of, you know, match writing a story that matches whoever artist he's working with and letting the artist carry him a little bit. And the stories are really simple and they're really, you know, they're not as good as they they're not as well thought out as they once were. And I know a lot of people are enjoying Hulk and that's great if you are. Enjoy Hulk. Yeah. Um and not to dis- distract from that. I, I I am not actively reading Hulk, so I can't, you know, I can't comment on that. But the other stuff I've read since he's come to Marvel has not been as good as the other stuff as his earlier stuff. So. No, I, and the stuff I enjoy is, is not as good as that old stuff. Definitely, yeah. I, I like the Ultimatum. I like Hulk. Uh, from what I've read, only the first two trades, but um, um, neither one of those books is already as, as good as what he wrote eight years ago when he was doing all everything. Yeah. Um, well, but he still sells like gangbusters, so yep. he's going to continue to write. So, and I just, I just don't buy it. I mean, the thing is, I can't really even comment on the modern stuff because every time it pops up, every once in a while, I'll give it a try, and, and I'm like, okay, it's just what it is now. It's not my thing. Well, speak, speaking of Jeff Loeb and the color books, our next voicemail. Hey, guys. This is Brody over in Reno, Nevada. Not Nevada. Ron. Uh, hey, I got two questions for you. Whatever happened to Captain America White? And whatever happened to Mark Millar's War Heroes? All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. I believe that War Heroes went down the movie option rabbit hole. Yes. It got sold for... It got optioned for a film. And really... And it sucks to say, and as a, as a comic fan, it sucks to hear, but really, they don't need to do any more after that. <laughs> you know I mean, what? That's, you know, Ex Machina has been great. <laughs> that's the reason why they, I mean, most of these books, that's the reason why they make them, is they have properties so they can then sell for much more money than they'd ever make writing, you know, writing and are drawing. You, are you telling me that Mark Miller does not have the great comic book at heart? That's not no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that so that you know, know a lot of these books exist as option properties. That's yeah. what happened to Pretty Baby Machine, Josh's pick of the week many years ago. It just yeah. you know that's what happened to it. It got they sold it, and and do you want to slave over your drawing table and your your keyboard, or do you want to just cash the option check and move on to your next project? Yeah. So Captain America White, we have no idea. Um, I've, I think I've, it's somewhere with Kevin Smith's Brave and the Bold series. I, I've heard, I've heard room, I've heard things that it's been canceled. I've heard things that Tim Sale just hasn't gotten it done. I've, I've yeah, uh, um, it did scheduling, scheduling. I heard it, it, like, it, it, like they decided to move it until after Steve Rogers back or exactly, something. Exactly. Like yeah, yeah. Who knows? But it's not, it's, it's not coming out. So yeah. When did that zero issue come out? Was that last year? It was, it was two years ago. No. Was it last not. year? Was it last Christmas? But no, no. The Zero Issue came out at, at San Diego, 08, and first issue was supposed to hit December, 08, and it, had, and it didn't. That's what happened. So, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath for that one, is nope. basically the point here. I wouldn't either. It's gone now. Yeah. So. I wasn't going to buy it anyway. And also, when I don't want to say that I, I know for a fact that's what happened to War Heroes. That's just my assumption, because it, right. it's, it basically disappeared around the time they sold the option. Well, they, so. an issue has come out since then. It's, uh, there, issue 3 did come out, if I remember correctly, or 4. I forgot no, how many come out, but yeah, but, yeah, but I can't even remember. I can't even tell you. I, I, I don't care if he's doing. If he, I want him to finish Ex Machina on time, and I'm happy with that. I didn't really like War of Heroes that much, so it's fine with me. Yeah. All right. So if you have a question, you can call us and leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. And so um, we want to thank everybody who called in, wrote in, and we want to thank everybody also for helping support iFanboy and iFanboy.com. Um, you know, if you listen to this show as well as our other audio shows and the video show, you're wondering, you know, you, you hear us talking about, you know, how you can help out. You might be wondering how you can help out. We've got a bunch of ways that you can help iFanboy, help us keep the lights on, help us keep delivering great free content to you about uh, comic books to make your experience more fun. Um, so easy thing that you can do straight out of the gate, go to ifanboy.com, click on the banners. Those are advertisers who are paying to advertise on our site. Um, check out what they're, what they're offering to you. Click those banners helps us in the process. 
Um, it's the holiday season. It's I don't know what shipping thing is like. I don't know if your shopping is done, but there's still time to do some shopping. We've got a whole There's week. still time! Uh, if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash Amazon, um, we've, pl- we've made a bunch of selections of things that we recommend, as well as we've shown the books that we talk about in the video show, as well as um, you can search you know, video games, comic books, all the stuff like that, all from there. Or if you just want to go directly to Amazon, you can just click on the Amazon link, and actually we're going to be adding a link that makes it easier to jump over to Amazon. Anything you buy at Amazon helps us out in the process. Tons of you have done it this December. We really appreciate everybody who's helped us out. That's a great way to help us directly. Um, So go to ifanboy.com forward slash Amazon. But if you want to do more, the two best things that you could possibly do is go to the ifanboy.com forward slash store and buy one of the t-shirts, t-shirts that we're selling. We've got this kick-ass battle pug t-shirt uh, drawn by Mike Norton, superstar artist of uh, Green Arrow Black Canary, which he's now done, So, which means I can stop buying that book. Um, and um, uh, <laughs> as well as, well as uh, he's doing Blue Beetle stuff and, and doing great stuff at, over at DC. So get Battle Pug. It's only $20. Um, or if you like Spider-Man and you wanted a – inspired spider-man shirt you can get the power responsibility shirt for 15 dollars um buying those shirts helps us out you know definitely helps us bring money in so we uh, and it makes you look pretty badass at the comic cons this year um or if you really want to if you love ifanboy every day you you get the most out of going to the site and downloading the podcast and listening and watching and everything become an ifanboy member um, for four dollars a month or forty dollars a year, you get the iFanboy member prize pack, which has got some buttons, a sticker, and a random comic book from one of our collections to replace the four dollars that you're that you're sending us instead. Um, comic books are, you know, they're, they're we've got tons of them around here, so we want to share them with you. Um, or if you want to spend a little more, you can spend ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year. You get the iFanboy member prize pack plus an iFanboy members T-shirt, and all iFanboy members at any level, they're the ones eligible for the great giveaways that we've been doing. We gave away in two thousand nine. We gave away original art. We gave away tons of books. We gave away movies, signed movie posters. Like we, it was a, honestly, if you were an iFanboy member this year, you had a really good chance of winning something, and it was pretty pretty cool. So um, we want to thank everybody who's helped us out throughout the year. This has been one full year of the iFanboy uh, membership nation. Um, and we want to thank everybody who signed up for it. Um, and we're looking forward to a great 2010 with some great things that you're going to help us get uh, to do. Um, so that said, we do have a giveaway. The uh, final big December giveaway, which was uh, the month of giveaways for iFanboy members, is the image giveaway, which is uh, a big stack of trades. It's about Four inches thick. This stack of trades, plus a copy of Image United number one with the with the blank cover on which Eric Larson has sketched Savage Dragon and signed it, which is pretty badass. And the winner of that giveaway is Jeffrey Pumayabo. Pumayabo. Why do I always get these names? <laughs> Jeffrey Pumayabo. <laughs> if that sounds like it could be your name, go to ifanboy.com. It'll be written, and then you can see for sure that that's you. Yeah. Um. So there's uh, also. One more giveaway uh, for iFanboy members. Uh, Scholastic Books has provided five copies of the graphic novel Malice uh, by Chris Wooding. And he, he sort of does YA books and stuff like that. And uh, basically, if you're a member, you're up, for, uh, you're up for getting one. You might just find out you've won. <laughs> so there's that. So uh, there'll be a post that uh, the show notes link to, and you can see what that's about. But uh, we're just giving away some books and, just because. And we're keep giving them away in 2010. So. So become a member. Anyway, you probably are wanting to know, hey, I'm going to be stuck at home with all my relatives, and I need something to do. Is iFanboy going to be there to help us out? And we're going to say, you're on your own, Buster. No. Uh, <laughs> I call everybody Buster. It's an affectation I've been developing. Uh, December 27th, that's next week's. It's not going to be a pick of the week show. So go screw. 
I don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> anyway, we are going to have our all our annual year end all media spectacular. That's a that's a word that may be too much saying too much. But uh, either way, we're going to talk about all the stuff that we liked in media for the whole year. We've done it other years before. You know the drill. It'll be longer than a regular show, so you really have no you, you can't complain. This that's is the, what I'm this saying. is the, this is the big one. So the big one. Yeah. This is this is the WWII <laughs> of uh, <laughs> Ghost Group. That's <laughs> That's a World War II phrase. I love that. Uh, January 3rd, there will be no Pick of the Week show because we're, we're, uh, we're taking a week off and there are no comics anyway. Yeah. Except for The Blackest Night. <laughs> <laughs> the cat was out of the bag. I'm not giving away anything. Yeah, but yeah. we can't do a whole show on Blackest Night 6. Yeah. Eh, maybe we could. But that one I'm not going through. to the store that. I'm not going to the store that week. Yeah, no, no, yeah. No. I'm not going oh, all the way for a one comic. Yeah. Oh, screw! And we, <laughs> we're taking the one week off, so there, that's fine. Hey, this Monday, also, Ron. Yep, uh, this Monday, uh, fanboy uh, uh, talks Don't miss is coming at you with Rick Remender talking about the last days of American crime. Um, I talked to him a little bit about it back in September, but we talked a little more detail and a uh, great conversation with Rick as always. And then Don't miss will be taking the rest of the year off, and it'll be back in January. So get this last one in in the year, and then uh, and Don't miss last days of american crime when it comes out on wednesday i'm excited yeah it's beautiful the, the art is beautiful i mean uh, yeah anyway so. okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pull this train into the station i'm gonna shut this this bad boy down <laughs> go to ifanboy.com pick <laughs> of the week review you have christmas shopping you do and apparently we're gonna get buried by the mother of all storms so we can sit around here gabbing all day god forbid the gi joe animated series comes up pick of the week review is over at ifanboy.com and you can see ron talking about why it's his pick of the week review and his fuzzy math and there'll be all sorts of in-depth comic book discussion that goes on there, as always, and fun stuff. And one of my favorite uh, great moments in comic book history this week. Uh, I thought that was really spectacular from G.I. Joe number 27. Uh, then there's all the other stuff. You can get to ifanboy.com <laughs> slash about, and you'll see where we are on the web and uh, that kind of thing. Video show, that's back. Uh, this last week was Jeff Smith, and this week coming up is another one that the I'm book working of The on. book of no. the year. No, it's not. No, it it's not the is, <laughs> it, you, We're all, you know what this is? This is the last pick of the week show of the year, and we're stumbling to the, <laughs> to the finish this line. Is, this, this is like foot out the door, like Bob and Accountant <laughs> has got a meeting at 4.30, and we're just waiting to get out. We're, we're Clark Griswold. Thumbing the little tiny diving board on his pool, <laughs> waits for his bonus, and he just can't leave. But uh, Brian Doral Murray's a jerk. Yeah, this is. Uh, some people like to finish strong, not at a fanboy. Our <laughs> ethos start is strong. Just to finish <laughs> and disappoint. Go screw. <laughs> this coming week is a special surprise show, which we're not going to tease. You have to find out for yourself on Wednesday. Oh yeah, cool. I forgot. See, it was such a surprise. I forgot about it. Yep. Here's a clue, though. I don't have a clue. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> boing, boing. That's, that's, that's your little mini dive, diving board. Uh, literally, Sam McMurray is hanging out in my doorway just looking at me, giving me the, the sad puppy dog eyes. Pointing at a watch and going, huh? Where can I get moose cups like that? I have a little one. I bought the DVD and it comes with a little moose cup. Oh. You can put about an ounce of liquid in it, but I like to hold it. The best line anyway. read of all time is shitter's full. <laughs> <Shitter's false. laughs> you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com call us at 888-FANBOYS for 326-2697 with any questions, comments, discussion topics criticisms of which there are many Yeah, many, and we hear them every day yep. thank you all very much <laughs> and finally if you like what we're doing <laughs> tell your friends, tell your comic book store or better yet go to iTunes 
Tons of you have written reviews for this show on this podcast and iTunes. Go to our other shows. Go to the video show. Go to I Fanboy Talks Blood. Don't miss. Write a review of those. Do it. You know, say something nice in the holidays about us. We'd appreciate it. So do it. Say something nice about me. Right. <laughs> do it. Beat you up. Do it. If this show had an engine, it would be sounding like this. It'd be going. That's that's what. And then it would finally. Puff up some black smoke in your face, and you have soot-covered face. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke kind of borderline blackface and, and offensive. Oh, that's awful. So before we before we end, we just want to wish everybody a happy holidays. We hope you have a happy and safe uh, time with your friends and family. And thank you again for a great year, 2009, with my fanboy. And be sure to tune in to the year-end spectacular next week. Um, but you know, uh, enjoy yourself. Hope you get all the gifts you want for Christmas. And yeah, I don't know. Good goodwill towards men. Go screw. Not, go screw. <laughs> we still, if we still did titles, I mean, there it is. Go screw. All right, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. <laughs> I brought it back. <laughs>